everyone. Welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and as you can probably tell by my voice, I am under the weather. Um, So I apologize if my voice this episode sounds really congested and nasally and not that great. Um, I'm not really feeling that well. I have a head cold. Um, So today is going to be a short episode just because I don't really want to use my voice a whole lot today. Um, So I hope you guys are okay with that. But, you know, I really thought about what I was going to talk about this week. And Dave Grohl just has been in the forefront of my mind for a few weeks, obviously because of the death of Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters. That's been really prevalent. And then the uh, concert that they did for Taylor and his memory has been prevalent as well. But also, I just think about Dave Grohl as a person and how he has overcome so much adversity in his life. And I just thought it would be interesting for me to look at how he created the Foo Fighters. And I wanted to particularly look at the first Foo Fighters album because I had no idea that Dave Grohl created the first Foo Fighters album all by himself. Every single instrument that he played on the album, he did himself. He had no backing band, no nothing. It was just him doing everything. You guys probably like Dave Grohl as well. I mean, who doesn't like Dave Grohl? Uh, So without further ado, let's jump right into the story. So I'm going to take you guys to where Nirvana disbanded because obviously in 1994, Kurt Cobain passed away. And after Kurt's death, Dave considered giving up music forever. Obviously, when you're in a band and, you know, your best friend dies tragically, you know, you start to question, and he was young at that time, you start to question your place is this music industry still going to have a place for me? Do I belong here? What should I do? You know, it was it was tough for Dave. And he, you know, for a few months kind of locked himself away in his room and he hid from the world and he didn't want to deal with anybody. So he kind of was solitary like a hermit for a couple of months after Kurt's death. So after Dave kind of spent a few months away from the world and he started kind of thinking seriously about what his next moves would be. Dave decided that, you know what, he had to do something with his life. Dave would go on to say, after losing a member of your band, you don't ever want to play music again, but that will change. Music is the only thing I really love to do. For a few months, I stopped, and then I started feeling like I gotta keep on. I have more to do. And so that's kind of where the whole thing with the Foo Fighters started. So the entire recording session for the Foo Fighters debut album was recorded at Robert Lang's studio in Seattle in October 1994, and it would be released a year later in July of 1995. Robert Lang Studios was already familiar with Dave because Nirvana recorded their final ever song, You Know You're Right, in that studio and so for Dave it just kind of made a lot of sense. He went on to say, I heard about this studio that was really funky because it was underground. So we went in there and recorded the last song that Nirvana had. So after the band was over, having made friends with the people at the studio, I thought well maybe I'll just go down there and record some stuff. Rather than doing it in Barrett's basement, rather than doing it on an 8-track, I'll be really professional about it and go to this 24-track studio for six days. And so that's exactly what Dave ended up doing. And like he said, he was only there recording this album for six days. That's how long it took. 
I mean, it was only him doing every single part of the album, so there wasn't, like, any need to wait on any other band members to, like, show up and to play their part and to get it done. Like, Dave just went in there and he just aggressively hit every single instrument and he did it flawlessly. Most of the songs that are on the album were written before or during Dave's time with Nirvana, and then only a few songs were written after Kurt's death. So the thing about this that I found really interesting was some of these songs Dave already had in his back pocket. And so Dave obviously was not a singer in Nirvana. He did do some like backup vocal things in Nirvana, um, but he wasn't a singer, obviously. Uh, But Kurt kind of was really pushing Dave to be a vocalist and to be a singer because he could see that Dave had potential. And so Dave just kind of casually at some points in their friendship showed Kurt some of the songs that he was uh, writing and Kurt really really liked them a lot Uh, so getting back to it here Dave played all of the instruments on the album like I mentioned the only instrumental part that wasn't played by Dave was a lone guitar riff on the song ecstatic which was played by Greg Dole of the Afghan wakes so the Afghan wakes at the time were very 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 popular I don't think honestly anyone knows of them now But like back in the 90s, oh my God, the Afghan wigs were like everything and everywhere. Um, So that's the only part, instrumental part, that isn't played by Dave. But everything else was played by Dave. Greg and Dave were just like casual friends. And Dave, you know, asked Greg to come on and be like, hey, do you want to like join me on a song and like add a little bit of spice? And Greg was like, sure, of course. So that's kind of how that went down. It was very impromptu. Even though Dave wanted this to be a professional recording session, he, at some areas, kind of in this creative process, wanted it to be very free-flowing and very nonchalant. And that's, I think, what everyone loves about this album. It's just Dave doing what he likes to do. And it's very, like, nonchalant, like I said. I mean, I think it's one of their best albums. Just because it goes to show how strong of a powerhouse Dave Grohl is on every instrument. Dave would also go on to say that it wasn't intended to be an album. It was really just kind of an experiment, but also it was recorded at the time where I wasn't doing anything. Nirvana was over and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do musically with the rest of my life, but I'd always recorded songs by myself. So, I mean, yeah, you know, Dave was really kind of at this point where he was struggling to figure out what exactly he wanted to do. And so, like I said, you know, when he took some time away after Kurt's death, he kind of like snapped out of the funk that he was in and he realized that music was like the only thing that he ever truly loved to do. There wasn't anything else that he liked to do. Music was that thing for him. And so it just made perfect sense that Dave would just continue to fall right back in line with the thing that he loved to do. It was almost like he was like punishing himself at first for like not doing music for a while. Maybe he thought he couldn't after Nirvana. Like honestly, Dave really made an amazing secondary band for himself with the Foo Fighters. I don't think there's one person that doesn't like Dave Grohl or the Foo Fighters in some respect. He's obviously a visionary because look at what he did with this album. It was only him. Obviously, he did have a producer for the album, and that was Barrett Jones. Like I already mentioned, the album was completed in only six days. Not even a week. I mean, that's crazy time. You know, they would do roughly three songs per day. 
I don't know. It's just crazy how this like fell out of Dave's head and into his lap and right into the recording studio. Isn't that just like crazy? Like, I don't know. To me, you whip out an album in six days and it becomes one of your most famous albums from the band. And then it creates an entire new group. Because again, this was just Dave solo. What is funny though, during the recording process for this album, Dave would obviously, because it's only him, he would go from booth to booth to booth to booth, playing one instrument and, and getting that track, and then running over to the other instrument and playing the other track, and then running over and playing another instrument and laying down that track. I mean, he was exhausted during these six days, like running back and forth between all the different booths and playing all the instruments. He would go from like playing the drums and then right, he'd run over to the guitar and he'd play the guitar and then he'd run over to the bass and play the bass and then he would run over to the vocal booth and like sing his heart out. I mean, it's just like, it's just like funny how he was almost like a hamster on a hamster wheel, just running, 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 running. But it was incredible, like synergetic energy, honestly. It just was like bouncing off of the walls and he was like a madman in the studio. It's like really, really cool to research this, to be honest, and just to see how strongly passionate Dave was for this album. I mean, again, he wasn't even thinking that this would be an album. He just wanted to get this out of his head and into something. And he didn't have like massive plans for the release of this album anyway. It just kind of was what it was. But this is Dave Grohl in a nutshell. Each song took about 45 minutes to complete. And famously, I think we all know as well, maybe, well, some of us do, maybe I shouldn't presume that we all know this, but Dave has been uh, famously insecure about his singing voice because he himself has dubbed his voice as stupid. So he thought, you know, I'm not a good singer at all. You know, Kurt was really the singer and I'm not a good singer at all. I have nothing technically to offer anybody, you know, and Dave would cringe whenever he would hear himself sing all the time. And I think that's really sad because we hear him now with the Foo Fighters, and Dave has an amazing vocal range. He can sing, he can scream, he's got the grit, he can do like soft ballads. Like Dave really, I think, fell into his voice and he started, I think, to appreciate his voice over time. But in the beginning, especially with this debut album, because Dave was so insecure about his singing, he added effects onto his voice, uh, particularly on the song Floaty, in this album but on like all of the songs he would like really go ham with the double tracking effect because he really liked to do that what's even more interesting dave said that the vocals on this album are quadrupled so there's four vocal tracks just to kind of stack on top of each other to create this really weird sound because he hated the sound of his voice solo i just thought that's so fascinating like quadruple tracks i've never heard of such a thing but hey there you go so as he was kind of starting to create this album and as it was coming closer to finalizing the project and releasing this under a name dave didn't want to be known as a solo act he didn't want to put dave grohl on there he always liked the idea of being in a band and so he titled the album foo fighters even though it was just him uh, he did this on purpose so that it would give off the impression to people that he had a band backing him, but then people would, you know, maybe would open the CD or something with the booklet inside 
And it would read, oh, wow, Dave Grohl did all these things. Wait a minute. He's the Foo Fighters. You know, so it was like a total on purpose choice that Dave wanted to be known as the Foo Fighters, even if it was just him for this debut album. Some of you might be thinking, what the hell does Foo Fighters even mean anyway? That's such a weird name. Well, the mind of Dave Grohl is so fascinating because Dave clearly likes a bit of supernatural history type of weird stuff like that. And I like him for that. So Dave came up with the name Foo Fighters, obviously. And so he has this to say on what the Foo Fighters actually means. And he said, Apparently in World War II, there were fighter pilots and these glowing balls of light would chase them and follow them. And in turn, they would chase and follow the glowing balls. Some people called them kraut balls, but other people tagged them foo fighters. So apparently it kind of is a play on like aliens, right? Again, Dave, I think really likes that supernatural, mystical, strange, unexplained, historic kind of stuff. So Foo Fighters was the perfect word or phrase for him, and that's where Dave coined the name Foo Fighters. And like I also mentioned already, Dave planned a very low-key release for the album. Again, he didn't intend for this to be a, a massive kind of release at all. He literally only created 100 vinyl records to be made for this album. And then he also went to a cassette duplication lab in Seattle and created 100 cassettes. So he had 100 cassettes and 100 vinyls and possibly 100 CDs as well. And he started just handing these cassettes out to his friends uh, and asked them for their feedback on what they thought of the Foo Fighters and his playing for the Foo Fighters. And obviously, word got around and people started to see that Dave was doing music again after Kurt's death, and it was actually very good. It was so good to the point where, at one point in time, Dave was invited by Tom Petty himself to join his band, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, obviously as the drummer. Dave kind of entertained this for a minute, but Dave would eventually decline because he wanted to really create his own band. And again, that's what Dave really loved to do. Dave was a band person and he wanted his own band to feel like a band of brothers, to feel like it was home again. Not that he could ever replace the feeling of what it was like to be in Nirvana. However, the Foo Fighters really gave him that opportunity to try it again, you know, to really heal from his past with Nirvana and with Kurt's death and try again. Also, Kurt Novoselic didn't really want to, I think at this point, do anything with music. He took like a hard left. And I think he went into like politics or something later on. I believe that's what he still is doing, if I'm not mistaken. He kind of does a little bit of bass here and there. Um, but overall, he changed direction 100%. Dave stayed with music. So obviously, with the Foo Fighters, this was something he wanted to do. He never wanted to be a solo act. The Foo Fighters was always intended to be a band. The first album was really just him, I think, getting out all of his feelings and thoughts and just putting it out there and just doing something. And with this, he created the whole thing by himself. But then over time, obviously, as word got round that, oh, Dave Grohl is in a new band called the Foo Fighters. Now he wants to start bringing people in to the Foo Fighters and create an actual band. So bassist Nate Mandel, drummer William Goldsmith and Nirvana second guitarist Pat Smear, along with Dave Grohl, 
was the early incarnation of the Foo Fighters. And obviously we know that the legendary Taylor Hawkins would go on to replace drummer William Goldsmith. And then that would be, I think, the forever iconic lineup. But this lineup here with Nate, William, and Pat and Dave would be the original members of the Foo Fighters. So the album debuted at number 23 on the Billboard 200, which honestly, that's really, really amazing for being a solo effort and then for not really planning a major media spectacle for this release, keeping it very low key. That's very impressive. Obviously, word got around. Word of mouth was very big back then, you know, seriously. And Dave was in the know with a lot of famous musicians. Obviously, Tom Petty offered to have him join his band. So word got around naturally, right? He didn't have to even really do a lot of promotion for this album. It just did it on its own. Um, so it reached number 23 on the Billboard 200, and it sold 40,000 copies in its first week alone, which is very impressive. And since the release date in 1995, it's been certified platinum, and it has since sold over 2 million copies worldwide. So we got to give it up to Dave Grohl. Four singles were released from this album. This is a call. I'll stick around for all the cows and Big Me. So those were the four singles from the album. And Big Me actually was a love song to his then wife, Jennifer Youngblood. And he described it as his favorite track on the record. Of course, I think that probably you would have to say that, wouldn't you? Like, oh, I wrote this song about my wife. Of course, you'd have to say it's your favorite song, right? That makes perfect sense to me. Um, but I just thought that was interesting, you know, as a little tidbit in there. But also, fun fact to bring Jennifer into the fold yet again, and even more so, Jennifer was the one who actually took the photograph that ended up being the cover for the record. And so the cover for the record, I'm sure I'm going to use this as the thumbnail, I would imagine. So if you can see, it's a picture of a gun. I'm not a gun person. I don't know the kind of gun it is, but it's a gun, right? It looks very like... Um, spacey futuristic right and it goes along with the whole theme of the food fighters so it was perfect what actually was so crazy about that at the time because again this was like a year after kurt's death some people thought that the gun on the cover was very insensitive due to the nature of kurt's death which was kurt died from a gunshot wound essentially i'm not going to go into the details of kurt's death but a gun was used, okay, a gun was used in his death, and so people were very upset. They were like, Dave, how could you put a gun on the cover of your album when your best friend and your bandmate of Nirvana died due to a gunshot wound? And Dave disregarded all of those haters by saying it was just pure coincidence because drummer William Goldsmith backed him up on this as well and also said the gun was actually meant to tie into the whole alien concept you know obviously with the name Foo Fighters like I mentioned before which has its ties to World War II history with UFOs and things like that so Dave wasn't even aware of the gun representing anything else other than the Foo Fighters he wasn't thinking about Kurt Cobain and also Dave wouldn't do that Dave obviously has respect for Kurt Cobain he wouldn't just throw something like that into his music and do it as a haha, -ha, as a nod and be like, I'm disrespecting my friend by putting a gun on the cover of my album. No, of course not. It has nothing to do with Kurt Cobain's death. This has everything to do with the Foo Fighters. I think people just want something to complain about. There will always be Karens, if you will, 
that are just very um, annoying and they're taking offense to literally everything. Like, oh my God, Dave Girl, how could you put a gun on the cover of your album? Your friend Kurt died of a gunshot wound. How insensitive. And Dave was like, um, that's actually not the whole point. So thank you for your useless opinion, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, right? So it's just so unfortunate Dave had to kind of keep like, keep on trucking and ignore the haters and people just will never shut up. That's just the unfortunate thing. But that was really the only controversy around this album. Everything else was great. So like I mentioned earlier in the episode, right, Dave had some songs in his arsenal that would go on to be on this album and Dave showed some of these songs to Kurt. So two of them in particular he showed to Kurt, which were Exhausted and Alone and Easy Target. Uh, these two Dave showed to Kurt and was like, hey, I have these songs, you know, what do you think? And Kurt actually had some interest in doing something with those songs for Nirvana, genuinely. Um, he really, really, really liked those songs a lot. And that's the thing, Kurt really pushed Dave to like write his own music and encouraged him to sing because he thought that Dave actually had a lot of talent, like beyond just being a great drummer. Kurt really liked those two songs, but unfortunately they just never got around to doing anything with them. And then of course, Kurt passed away. So Dave just ended up doing them on his own. But from my recollection, there were some songs that Dave did write that Kurt did use and they did record under the Nirvana name. Was one called Marigold? I think that was a Dave song. Dave was, I think, in some aspects, a natural songwriter. Kurt was obviously as well. Um, but Dave, I think, had like a secret talent, you know, that he maybe was cringed at by himself because maybe he was insecure, right? Makes sense. You know, musicians can be insecure sometimes about those things, especially when you're young and, you know, your leading man of the band, Kurt Cobain, is literally the embodiment of grunge, right? And so you're Dave Grohl and you're like, oh, I have these songs, but I don't really know if they're any good. And then, oh, I don't like my voice. I think it's stupid. And, you know, like comparing apples to oranges. And it's just like you can't really compare. You know, Dave and Kurt are different, uh, drastically different, obviously, in terms of how they sound and how they write songs and things like that. But at the end of the day, Kurt really liked what Dave was doing and he encouraged Dave to keep going and so as a kind of roundabout way I suppose this debut album for the Foo Fighters was kind of in a way I would say anyway I'm putting my own spin on it uh, as an homage to Kurt you know because some songs were written about Kurt and obviously this was fresh after Kurt's death so you know how can it not in some aspects reference him right and what Dave was feeling at this time you know it was hard so I have to give it up to Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl has so much resilience and he's so strong in the face of adversity and what he's gone through with losing Kurt. And then, you know, now with losing Taylor Hawkins, his, you know, second brother next to Kurt, I mean, that's just so hard to deal with. So we have to give our love and support out to Dave Grohl and send him all the love that we possibly can. Um, I just wanted to honestly look a little bit deeper into the beginnings of the Foo Fighters and into the mind of Dave Grohl and just kind of look at things a little bit more with a magnifying glass just to kind of see what things were like. And again, I apologize for my voice. I know that probably it's not maybe the best to listen to in this state, 
Um, I do apologize, but you know, next week, hopefully I'll be cold free. So that way you can hear my voice plain as day. Um, so I'm going to leave it there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed and that you learned something today that you hadn't known about before. If for some reason you haven't listened to this album or you don't really know a lot about the Foo Fighters, give them a chance for sure. Um, listen to this album and I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. So I will leave you guys with that. Have a great rest of your week and I'll see you guys next Wednesday with another episode of On The Mix. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys.